The text verses are from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28 to 29. Let a person examine himself, and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment. Eat and drink judgment on himself. And the topic, let us examine ourselves. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we were privileged to use the Lord's Supper last Sunday evening for the PM service. It was lovely. We were sitting at a table again. We remembered what Jesus had done for us. And this morning, because I'm preaching from a series, the Lord led us to reflect on that Lord's Supper. And the meaning for God's word. To prepare and examine ourselves for the next Lord's Supper on Sunday the 2nd April. But also to reflect on our attitude when the Lord invites us. How did you use the Lord's Supper? Paul taught the congregation of Corinth. And our congregation this morning, our serious self-examination and reflection are in using the Lord's Supper. Verses 28 and 29 of our Bible reading, we read, Let a person examine himself, then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And the form of the Lord's Supper describes as follows. However, all who trust in themselves for their peace with God, those who do not repent of their sins, those who do not desire humbly to live in obedience to God and in peace with their neighbor, are urgently called to seek the newness of life, which only God's grace can give. Otherwise, they should not come to this table, lest they eat and drink judgment. To themselves. And so verse 27 of our Bible reading is the principle behind the form that we've heard so many times. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. What is the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is about fellowship with God. And with one another. At a table we have a host. And that host is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who invited us. And we have communion with the true God and true man. And we use the Lord's Supper because we are members by His grace, saved forever from sin and assured by the Holy Spirit of the victory that overcomes the world. And so, the supper or communion with Christ is out of grace alone. Jesus freed us from death, not with money or earthly treasures, but with his blood. It is such a weighty matter to participate in the Lord's Supper. 
But we as a congregation should see the importance. Know that it is Christ that is inviting us. You might probably ask, why did we not have the sermon, this sermon last week? And I thought about it. But Paul preached this sermon only after the congregation used the Lord's Supper in Corinth. So this is a reflection sermon. Reflection about how we use the Lord's Supper as a congregation. How we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And so Paul did not have a good testimony about a congregation. He exhorted a congregation because they behaved in an undignified manner. They had no reverence and love for the Lord. They acted in a loveless way against their brothers and sisters. Then he urged them in love to rectify their behavior according to the word of God. It's quite clear if we read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20 to 22. When you come together, it's not a Lord's Supper what you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? Then Paul said, no, I will not. These are the most severe words that Paul addressed to any congregation in his letters. It was almost discipline. And why did Paul discipline the congregation? And if you go back to our text, then you will see that verse 17 begins with the word but. The instruction he is about to give is prompted by a serious problem, a more serious problem than the previous passage, the head coverings of the women. <coughs> also the women's failure to submit to their husbands. But it's now about the coming together as a church, the worship service. And we need to remember, as the Lord's congregation as well, what happens when we come together as a church. In the worship service, God calls His people. And He calls His people to meet with Him. To bring your family together and to worship Him. And he, the Lord speaks to us through His Word and through the sacraments. It's first the Lord. And then we respond in prayer, confession, and songs as His people, the sheep of His pasture. The Lord feeds our souls. The Lord comforts us in times of distress and war and diseases where the world panic as if they have no hope. The Lord strengthens our faith and builds us up as the body of Christ through the Lord's Supper. And we need to be ready. Ready to receive 
but above all ready to glorify the Lord. The church is not a club. The church is not this building. But a church is the congregation of believers that God has called to have fellowship with Him for His Word and Spirit. We know this is not a case in all churches anymore. In our modern churches, worship service and participating in the sacrament, sacraments are sometimes often more about pleasing the people than glorifying God. And so it has become common for some churches to focus on entertainment. Entertaining the audience. More like motivational seminars rather than the holy worship of the triune God. And so the Bible instructs us in Hebrew 12, verse 28 to 29, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a king kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a God of consuming fire was also not a case of the church in Corinth anymore. Explanatory 4, at the beginning of verse 18, give the main reason why Paul was withholding praise from the congregation. And he told us there were divisions among the congregation. And Paul used the word heresies in the original language, which means that they departed from their faith, from the word of God. It appears that the Corinthians departed from the tradition of marriage and also God's order, but also how they celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we should see his love in this. He wanted them to return to the Word of God. Strong words from Paul in our Bible reading about their love, or rather their lack of love, the fact that there was no unity in the church anymore. So it was a regular practice in early church that believers came together and ate together. We see that in Acts 3. And everyone who could brought food so that there could be enough for everyone. And these communal meals were usually concluded with the celebration of the Lord's Supper. First the word and then the Lord's Supper. But now these love feasts were degenerating. It started to look like the world. The feasts of the world. The fluent members came together. They devoured everything while the poor, who probably had to work longer hours, received nothing. There was no unity in the congregation. Only a few came. They were forming groups based on financial status. Paul wasn't happy. He was angry. Verse 22, you can feel the heart of Paul's anger. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? 
And then ultimately he said, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. The wealthy certainly had the houses in which they ate and drank. But by bringing their wealth to the church gathering, the meeting of the believers, and doing so without waiting for the other poorer members, have despised the church of God. Paul was almost speechless in his hurt about the behavior of the church, the Lord's church. The word of God give us principles what we should do when we worship. And I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes 5. Ecclesiastes 5. That's the word of King Solomon. But ultimately the word of God. King Solomon already said in Ecclesiastes 5, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on, on earth. Therefore let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. King Solomon. That passage used an example of a person that went to the temple, the house of the Lord, to worship God. And he used the word go to indicate participation in the worship service. Such a person usually went to sacrifice. But then Solomon teaches us what is more valuable. The first thing and a better thing is the one who goes near and listen. And he describes a fool who comes with many word questions, requests, demands, and preconceived thoughts to the Lord. And they don't even know what they do wrong. He worships God, but at the same time he wants something in return. And Solomon said such, such an attitude is not humility, but an arrogant misuse of the Lord. The fool wants to dictate God for his selfish reasons. He's there to receive, but far away or too busy to serve God out of gratitude. We cannot use God like that. Psalm 115 verse 3, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. He is the sovereign God who is in control. And so Solomon gave a solution. Guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord. And our attitude of humble submission where we fear the Lord above all is the opposite of foolish requests. Better to hear and listen to his word and spirit with dedication and commitment and the realization that what you hear is from God himself. This is what we do here as a congregation. We serve God. And a congregation that listens to the teaching of God's word, participate in the sacraments, is never passive. 
A church that listens to the word of God and participates in the sacraments come closer to recognizing and realizing that God is holy and orderly and that we must bow to his word and spirit. And so Paul urged the congregation, go back to the basics. Go back to the word of God. The principles and the traditions that Jesus taught. That's what he meant with principles in the beginning of chapter 1. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. And he said, perhaps you as a congregation has forgotten what the Lord's Supper is all about. And so Paul wanted to remind them, this is not a dinner party where people come and eat and drink. No, it's a meal whose only food is a small quantity of very simple food from a shared loaf and a shared cup of wine. Verse 23, Paul was teaching the congregation and again, the tradition from the Lord's Supper, he has received from the Lord, and that's from the Word. The tradition came from the Lord, was received by the apostles. And in verse 23 to 25, Paul repeats the tradition that happened on the night when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. It was during and after the Passover meal, verse 25, which Jesus shared with the twelve. This is exactly according the account of the gospel. This is how you should celebrate the Lord's Supper, as Jesus instituted it. Very important for us churches. With every Lord's Supper, we should see Jesus. And if you see Jesus, you should look at yourself. Jesus carried our sins fully on the cross. And in this way, we should examine ourselves and repent from our sins in the knowledge that our sins are forgiven when there's true repentance. Verse 24, Jesus said, which is for you. It's personal. And so the bread and wine represent the body and the blood of the Savior. They received in faith as signs and seals of all the benefits of Jesus on the cross. But a congregation of the Corinthians have corrupted the Lord's Supper. They have made it into a party of the rich. And Paul said that we have a responsibility when we use the Lord's Supper. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the gospel. The Lord's death until he comes. In short, the members who participate in the Lord's Supper are proclaiming the gospel. They proclaim sentence on the death of Jesus, but also that our Lord will come again. And in sharing the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, <coughs> we also share the benefits of his death. This means that we are assured that our sins were nailed in the cross with Jesus, but also that we were resurrected to a new life in Jesus. This is the greatest meal ever. With the greatest host. But it's a warning. And so Paul returned to the scandalous behavior of the Corinthians. And Paul cautioned them. 
that to eat of the bread and drink of the wine in an unworthy matter, as the Corinthians had done, is therefore to be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord himself, verse 27. What to come to the Lord's table? Now, Heidelberg Confession asks in question and answer 81, continued in question 82, are those to be submitted, admitted to the Lord's Supper who show by what they say and do that they are unbelieving and ungodly? And the answer is no. And it's the eldest task to see that only believers are admitted to the Lord's table and that they need to watch over the holiness of the Lord's Supper also to make sure that it's done in unity, all together. We confess this at Lord's 30, question and answer 82 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Are those to be admitted to the Lord's Supper who shows by, by what they say and do that they are unbelieving and ungodly? No, that would dishonor God's covenant and bring down God's anger upon the entire congregation. Therefore, according to the instruction of Christ and his apostles, the Christian church is duty-bound to exclude such people by the official use of the keys of the kingdom until they reform their lives. Who then can use the Lord's Supper? Only believers, those who repent their sins and come to the Lord. Persons who show through their words and deeds that they are ungodly cannot participate. Why this is to their judgment? Because they are making the judgment even worse. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 34, so that when you come together, it will not be for your judgment. And it's also to the disadvantage of the whole congregation because the anger of the Lord comes over the whole congregation. But how should we use the Lord's Supper? Paul did not tell the congregation to stop using the Lord's Supper. He told them to stop using it in an unworthy matter. And he urged the congregation that it is a blessing. It's for the members. And when they are invited by Jesus, they should come. Remember, it's Jesus who is inviting us. And they should focus on Jesus. Remembering Jesus through watching the bread that is broken and the cup that's raised in thanksgiving. We should hear his voice on the night he was betrayed and eat together from that bread and drink together from that cup. What a blessing that we can still use the Lord's Supper in 2023 as God's congregation in Blackstone. What a blessing that we could share in this as a congregation last Sunday. What a blessing that we can reflect on this and examine our attitudes before the Lord. What a blessing that we can glorify the Lord in the worship service today. And if we serve God as He demands and give all glory to Him, then each day will be meaningful. There's hope. And we can glorify God in Christ. And let us remember Jesus. Let us remember what the Lord has done and how the Lord loved us, that God redeemed us from sin, 
died for us, made us his church, that we were given to him, John 6, verse 37. And through faith, which the Holy Spirit worked, there's now a new life in us where we can obey God and we can have our spiritual hunger satisfied to be never hungry again, never be forsaken, never again feels that life has no meaning. And we can still be fed with his word and spirit in the worship service and through the sacraments. Someone said, and I quote, this is what I believe about Jesus. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of everything. Jesus is the only teacher from whom we must learn, the only Lord on whom we should depend, the only head to whom we should be united. The only model that we should imitate is the only physician that can heal us, the only shepherd that can feed us, the only way that can lead us, the only truth that we can believe, the only life that can animate us. Jesus alone is everything to us. Jesus alone satisfies all our desires. And so Paul pled with the congregation. Let us serve the Lord as he instructs. Solomon said, let us guard our steps when we come to the house of the Lord. Let us worship Jesus <coughs> as the living word, as the <coughs> center of our worship let us hold to on to his word, the double-edged sword, maintain the worship service as the Lord instructs. Let us rest of our works on this day and glorify God. And congregation, come when the Lord invites you. Come because you share in his body and his blood. Peter told us in 1 Peter 2 verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen.